Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, Brad, what did you think? The song Freedom by the late, great George McCall. Well, I like freedom. I like the idea. I'm not sure that I'm familiar with the song. Well, you just heard it. I do like the kind of, well, right. I mean, I guess I've, I've heard it. I guess my familiarity is, is what's in question at this point, but it was, you know what? Not bad, not bad. And like I said, a very admirable topic. Yeah. And, and one of the great singers of the uh, 1980s and nineties, his debut, I think this is off his debut, debut album, Faith. Ah, well, there you go. From Wham, George Michael from Wham. Wake me up before you go, go. Right. Yeah. Don't leave me hanging on like a yo-yo. Yes, the late, great George Michael. Yeah, and his, and I should also say, his lover is still trying to get a substantial part of that estate. I don't think that's all been, been ironed out yet. It's still being, it's a work in progress. Well, that's unfortunate, but you know what? You know whose problem it isn't? It isn't ours. George Michael's problem. Or I don't think it's, just, it's really not ours either. Although I know he was your favorite, uh, one of your favorite stars of the uh, 1980s, including... Uh, uh, others like Harrison Ford, Tom Cruise, and B. Arthur. I do like B. Arthur. I like the other guy in Wham! better, but his name escapes me. In any event, Brad, we'll dive right in. The big news of the day, the Trump Organization has been charged with a crime uh, tied to the compensation of their CFO. Apparently, they were giving the CFO perks such as uh, tuition for his children, and he didn't report that on his tax returns. Uh, it seems like they finally got uh, Donald Trump here. Uh, what do you think, Brett? So this is not like a campaign. This is just some, some company that is associated with or somehow managing the estate of one Donald Trump. This is the uh, real estate organization. Oh, this is his business. Okay. So yeah. his business was paying for the CFO's children's tuition, which is fine. I mean, you know, you and I run a business. We offer certain benefits to our employees. I don't know that we pay for anybody's tuition, but we certainly offer benefits. And I think it's incumbent upon the individual to accurately and honestly file their tax returns. So my suspicion is that the bad guy here is the CFO. Now, if you're going to criticize the Trump organization, and obviously many people do, 
perhaps they should have done a better job of picking a CFO, but I'm not sure you can charge an organization with a crime that an individual committed in the filing of their individual tax returns. Can you? Well, I don't know. I, I think they're also saying that the, organ, the, the, the Trump organization or company or mm-hmm. corporation somehow tried to skirt the tax laws by providing such perks as education expenses and uh, parking garage fees um, to the CFO uh, in, and, and didn't report those as, uh, as income going to said CFO. Well, I got to tell you, you got me there. Tax law is certainly not my wheelhouse. I'm not sure it's very many people's wheelhouse. Even my accountant who you know does my taxes and is a certified public accountant oftentimes wrestles with the changes in the vast mess that this country has made out of its tax laws. But I would say that if you know the Trump organization as an organization is in violation of said tax laws, then they should be prosecuted for it, right? I mean, like anybody else. I think you would you would certainly think so, but it does seem like it's a bit much to have a two year investigation and uh, to come up with charges like this that I think anyone who looks at them realizes are directed at trying to get the uh, uh, CFO to somehow flip and provide other information about about Trump. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, look, if you're Donald Trump, you already have to know this is coming. Right. I mean. For better or for worse, whether he, you know, what he did was right or wrong, and his his approach to and attitude about, you know, the existing government and media, et cetera, et cetera, with which he has had a very rocky relationship, you know, whether or not that's going to serve him well or ill, I guess remains to be seen in the end. But you know, there are certainly any number of people using any number of avenues available to them to quote unquote get. Donald Trump. Now, as a taxpayer, that kind of pisses me off. The guy's out of office, like him, hate him, think he's great, think he's a jerk, doesn't matter. He's not in any official capacity at this point. And so chasing after him using tax violations by a CFO because he got free parking seems like a giant waste of resources. But you know what? Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe there's something there that you know really needs to be investigated and found. I realize there are people who are trying to prevent him from ever running for office again. Um, maybe that's it. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it would seem in the world that we have today, there would be many things higher on the list of our investigative agencies than minor tax violations by the CFO of the Trump Organization. Yeah. I mean, it, se- it seems like we went through this before with the whole Russia thing where there was an investigation about um, meddling in an election, as you recall, the meddling. I do. A lot of chicanery there. Uh, and and it came some up, jackassery, I recall. Some jackassery. And then they ended up impeaching him for obstruction of justice for, um, I'm not exactly sure what he did. He, he literally waived privilege and provided more information than any sane person would have ever provided. Um, but you end up with this whole obstruction of justice charge. And then he, Brad, he was impeached again by the House for the um, worst sedition in the history of this country that took place on uh, January 6th. Uh, so that, he, I mean, that I think we, we can agree on that. Well, I, I mean, look, buddy, none of this is going to stop. I mean, the unfortunate part is that this is all in the hands of the American people. 
right? So long as we continue to send folks who cannot seem to let it go into official roles in our government, then this is going to continue to happen. This is entirely in the hands of the voters. If you like this, if you think this is the way that we should go, if you think this is the way our resources should be allocated, keep voting for the people that are in office now. If you don't, if you think maybe we should focus on some other more important things, then we need new elected representatives. I mean, that's just it's just the way it is. But this is so long as the folks who are in charge now remain in charge, even if Donald Trump were to fall down a flight of stairs and die in the next five minutes, none of this would go away. Right. I mean, it's just it, it, it's crazy. It's become a religion and they would just refocus on one on Trump's wife or one of his kids or his CFO or his COO or maybe the guy who walks his dogs. But none of this is going away so long as those people remain in power. That's just the way it is. It's, it's almost like a banana republic. Except we don't even have bananas. We have to get those from a different country. Yeah, well, obviously, we have to import those. We don't make anything here anymore, Brad. No. Nothing. Well, I guess we'll continue to monitor this, but it's something that um, bears watching. Unlike the bears themselves, which you can't watch. It's no, they suck. Football team. They suck. Uh, the next, the big news out of the Iraq uh, this week, uh, another tragic death. Um, apparently, they have these big, <clears throat> and you like stories, right? So I can I tell you, they have these big um, wedding facilities where they have these huge uh, weddings every weekend, right? And so they have, in some cases, they churn five or six weddings out. They have like 10,000 people through the door. And so they're feeding a lot of people, right? The Iraq feeding a lot of people. Um, Are you talking about the country of Iraq when you say the, Iraq? The Iraq, yeah. Okay. Issa Ishmael, right, uh -huh. was helping prepare a wedding banquet for 5,000 people in the oh. Hazel Wedding Hall in hmm. Zako, which I think you've been to. I think you and I went to a bar mitzvah there back in 2009, 10. Yeah, the bar mitzvahs are rare in the Iraq, but you and I did find ourselves into one, yes. Yeah, mazel tov. Anyway, uh, so while stirring the soup, the 25-year-old father of three uh, slipped and fell into the pot. Uh, Third-degree burns, 70% of his body, needless to say, he died. But uh, they, the, the one thing uh, that they did want to make clear is it was a lentil soup. Well, of course it was. It killed him. I mean, you're yeah. not, not going to be killed by a chicken noodle or a bisque. I mean, if you fall into a vat of lentil soup, lentils retain heat like nothing else. I mean, who has not bitten into a hot lentil and said to themselves, well, that was a mistake, right? So yeah. I can only imagine what it would be like to, uh, you know, fall into a whole vat of said overheated spicy lentils. Yeah, the one thing that is um, also gaining traction within the Iraq parliament is uh, a move to require that for all uh, outings, including weddings and funerals and other gatherings of more than 50 people, where they have a soup course, uh -huh. uh, make it gazpacho. And then this would never would have happened. Well, no, I mean, unless, you know, the gazpacho was, was terribly cold, in which case, you know, you also could be damaged by falling into a, a very icy gazpacho. But again, this is a response that, I mean, you know, we spent a lot of time and a lot of effort 
a, a lot of blood was spilled and you know gold was spent in, in trying to bring democracy to Iraq. And they've obviously taken a good look at our government and learned some valuable lessons. I mean, this sounds exactly like something the current US government would do is when there is a tragic accident that you look at, you shake your head, you say, well, geez, a guy was a father of three, that's terrible. Uh, you do try to overregulate and you know, just make a, an even worse situation. I mean, this is something that's never going to happen again in our lifetimes. No one is going to fall into a vat of soup and die as a result of it. And yet this is something the Iraqi government feels like they have to, you know, write some regulations around. And that is clearly something that they've learned from the U.S. government who inexplicably, while you don't have to wear your mask anywhere in the country, if you get, if you're in any sort of a federally regulated environment, suddenly the mask becomes critical, for instance, an airport or an airplane or a federal building. Yeah, well, that's because of the Delta variant, which they don't have to worry about in the Iraq. But obviously, you know, that's coming back. We're probably going to be back in a lockdown relatively soon. Um, and no I think, sense. well, I'm, I'm, they're locking down in Europe, my friend. They are locking down in the great uh, white north. Canada, and by the way, Happy Canada Day, uh, my friend. I don't want to. I don't want to date the date uh, we're filming this podcast and, and recording it. Uh, but uh, this, uh, we are right around the time of the Great Canada Day, uh, where the uh, wise old Mountie comes down from the hill and, and gives his advice to the young kids of Canada, including uh, Vancouver. Vancouver is in Canada, so I do imagine they probably participate in Canada Day. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they absolutely do. But I'm, I'm just saying I'm wishing you a happy Canada Day. I know you've spent many a uh, year up there. And uh, so I wanted to extend that, that. extend that to you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, next, Brad, the great city of New York it is becoming clearer by the day who the new uh, mayor is going to be. Uh, there have been a couple of tallies this week. Again, New York is electing a new mayor. The Democratic primary took place uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Brooklyn, and we talked about this last week, uh, the Brooklyn Borough President um, uh, Eric Adams won by 10% of the tally vote. But again, they haven't started counting the uh, absentee ballots, and then they do the ranked choice voting where you talk about, you actually list your top five candidates. So whoever gets the most first place votes doesn't necessarily win. If they don't get as many second and third place votes, you know, then the, the results could be flipped. <clears throat> and now the New York Board of Elections has come out two days in a row with new vote tallies this week. Uh, where the uh, lead shrunk from 10% down to, in one case, 3%, another case, 2%. Uh, and the vote spread is, is down to about like 14,000 votes. Oh, had there been any new ballots cast? How does that happen? Well, I, I, they call this a couple of simulations, right? So these aren't actual votes being tallied. They haven't started the ranked choice tabulation. Uh, but as I said last week, the gentleman who's ahead, who more people voted for than anyone else, uh, is a police officer. He is a he's a liberal. He's a Democrat, but he's a law and order candidate. He's running against maniacs like 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 Marxist lunatics. And the uh, New York City Board of Elections is run uh, as well by said lunatics. 
And so they will figure out a way to take this from him. I guarantee it. Um, they uh, are going to start the ranked choice tabulation where you just go in and you find out what all the people that voted for the losing candidates had to say about their second, third, fourth, and fifth choices. And so uh, couple that with the uh, tabulation of the absentee ballots, which haven't, hasn't started yet. Um, and you're probably looking for a, um, uh, you're probably looking at a two to three month window before we know who won the Democratic primary. And that puts that winner being declared right after the general election. Yeah, well, see, that makes sense. Especially if you're running simulations to figure out how to get to the outcome that you want as the election board. See, that that's the way you do that, is you run simulations to say, well, if we do this, will we get to the candidate that we want? I mean, screw the people, right? The, the Board of Elections should just select the person they want. And so you run some simulations and you say, well, you know, if, if we add cheese, do we get where we want to go? No. Okay, so let's take the cheese out. What if we put ketchup on it? No. Okay, what if we put cheese and ketchup? Oh, see, now we're getting someplace. You run these simulations, and then when you figure out what exactly it's going to take to get to the candidate that you have pre-selected, then you just, you know, make events occur such that you get to that pre-selected outcome. And so, you know what? God bless New York. They are going to get what they have asked for. And, you know, it'll probably take a long time to recover from that. I, I think the thing that I find most irritating is, hey, look, if, if one of the benefits of democracy is that if you want to be governed by a crazy right or left-wing lunatic, you have the opportunity to do that. You just vote that person in. But what makes me nuts about some of these candidates in New York is that they are, you know, just rabid about defunding the police, which is the popularly financed security outfit in, you know, that's what we call them in this country, right? So the, the folks that are designed to preserve the rule of law and are paid for by your tax dollars, we call those police or sheriffs in some case. And that's what everybody gets, right? These people, they want to defund that, and but they all have private security. So what do they care, right? I mean, they're just surrounded by bodyguards and they live in communities that have private security. And so what do they care if the common person whom they supposedly represent needs a police officer and can't get one because they've been defunded? I mean, that is just the pinnacle of hypocrisy and that should not be allowed. I mean, if you, that, it's fine. If you want to run on a defund the police platform, then that's fine. You can certainly do that. And that may win you an election in certain places. And that's fine. But you cannot then have private security because you happen to be wealthier than all of your constituents. That should not be allowed. Yeah. And yet they continue to do it over and over again. I, what really struck me about this was, and I, we talked about this last week and I have a difficult time wrapping my head around this whole ranked choice voting. I, theoretically, I guess it's in place to avoid runoff. So you don't have to re-vote. Um, but it, it, it begs a ton of questions about, uh, um, you know, the, the, these, the intent of a voter and, and whether or not a voter um, is being, somehow marginalized if they don't include one of the top five candidates on their initial ballot and you know, where that voter could vote in the runoff, they can't vote 
in this ranked choice thing because it's already predetermined. Um, but also the inclusion of the, you know, the, the first thing that came out on Tuesday, the set of results, um, was a full ranked choice analysis of everything but the um, absentee ballots. And it uh, included 135 fake votes, right, that weren't cleared by, I, I don't think, I, they call them fake votes. I don't know where they came from. So they pulled those down and then they did the second simulation on Wednesday. And then they pulled that down because that had some irregularities as well. In addition to this, they don't, they haven't started counting the 130 or so thousand absentee ballots. And then, you know, there are other candidates who are talking about having to re-canvas the results. And, and now they want to go and match IDs and signatures, which they didn't want to do in Georgia when they protested that last month, but it seems that they're making it more and more difficult, um, maybe not to vote, but more and more difficult for a voter to understand what the hell's going on and more and more difficult for us to get to a winner. Well, and, and I think to your point, but I mean, it, it is subject to manipulation, which the folks in power want, right? And, and it just kills me because, you know, it just depends on whose ox is being gored, right? You're in power now, Right. So you love this idea of being able to manipulate outcomes of supposedly free elections so that you can remain in power or someone you want to be in power can get there. But the day is going to come when you're not in power or someone whom you think shouldn't be in power is and they're going to have access to all these switches and dials. So I, I just I don't get the, the short sightedness of this is astounding, but not surprising. And so, you know, I, just, I, I don't get that. And I, I do also think that at some point in time, you know, we have low voter turnout in this country already, right? I mean, given that, as you pointed out, it's not hard to vote, right? For, in most places, you can either vote, like in Colorado, they always mail you a ballot, right? So when you register to vote, they get your address, they just mail you a ballot. And it, we vote here, obviously, my family and I, and it's a very well-run process. I mean, it, you, you, you've got your ballot, there's clear instructions, there's the way that you do it, you have to sign, you have to put it in the mail a certain way. I mean, they, they actually do a very good job of having a mail-in voting process. So it couldn't be easier. I mean, you, you, my wife and I, we sit down at our kitchen table for every election. They have great websites in the state of Colorado where you can get lots of information on the candidates. And so we do that together, we review it together. She votes, I vote. And then we, you know, do all the process necessary to make sure that the ballot is, you know, accurate and not tainted in the course of packaging it up to be mailed. Couldn't be easier, right? But if you, if you make it clear that your vote doesn't count, right? If enough people become convinced that, ah, the hell with it, right? I don't understand how this works. The guy I voted for never wins. Then I could see where even though it is easy to vote, people just become frustrated enough to say, screw it. And we wind up with like a 20% voter turnout. Which is not what you're looking for. No, not not at all. And I and I, I it's kind of ironic, right? <laughs> New York is um, a mess, right? There's trash everywhere, graffiti oh, everywhere, yeah, crime it's, everywhere. It's gone right people back to being, the 70s. Yeah, yeah. People are being shot in Times Square in broad daylight, and they're focused on ranked choice voting, right? And the DA is focused on the fact that the CFO of the Trump organization didn't list his reimbursement for parking fees on his federal tax return. Yeah. Well, again, but I mean, you know, as we've just discussed, th this will continue to play itself out 
until you swap out the folks that are in charge, right? And, and again, unfortunately, that requires an election process, which New York is obviously trying to make as difficult and opaque as possible. But so long as these are the folks who have access to the gears and levers of government, this is what you're going to get. So people of New York- buttons. Yeah, whatnot. There's the occasional uh, slider, whatever the case may be. But, you know, people of New York, you have to fix this if you want it fixed. If you don't, if you like what you got, then God bless you. Enjoy the city that is comes as a result. But if you're thinking to yourself, eh, I think we could do better, then you have to throw out the folks that are currently in charge and bring in a different ilk. Yep, I think that's I think that says it all. Well, we'll keep monitoring that, and we'll probably both be dead before they know oh, won this yeah. won this we'll election. But uh, you know, they're focused on the right things in New York City, so that's uh, always uh, a good thing. Uh, next, Brad, the Bronze Stevie Award-winning segment, Barter Band. Uh, let's get to it. Uh, jumping right into the fray because. Uh, as you know, Brad has been called the Wizard of Woke. We talked about that last week. And the Wizard of Woke has rolled out um, his thoughts on some of the terms we use every day in our business. We wanted to share them with you. And uh, first, you know, obviously um, being a little facetious, but this is what we like to do sometimes is run things by one another live on the air while the radio is playing and get each other's take on it before we roll it out to the entire company. But this is a list that uh, our HR department has come up with, uh, some terms that they say should be both barred and banned. Uh, and we use them every day in our um, uh, our language, in our uh, slacks, in our emails, in our Insta faces at the work. And uh, so I thought, Brad, I'd, I'd surprise you and actually talk about some of the terms that our um, uh, HR department are looking to replace and, and inf- effectively cancel and replace. And this will all go all the way down to your email. When you use one of these terms, there will be a um, an auto replace feature, which we are currently working on. I didn't even know we had an HR department. So I'm thrilled with that. See, I think that's offensive and we will have to... Um, talk about it, but we'll get to that on another podcast, probably the queen of hearts. But first, Brad, I've got some terms that we use every day, and I've got the replacements that have been um, decreed upon by the HR folks. First, uh, genders, uh, and the term gendered, he, she, is being replaced with the term non-gendered and they, it. So, I'm not the, the gendered non-gendered thing. I mean, is so anything that was previously gendered is now non-gendered. Correct. Can't really do that. Can you? That's uh, HR, my friend. All right. So are we saying that it is more polite to refer to someone as it than she or they correct. Don't say she say they or it. I was talking to it the other day and it told me that it was really concerned about, you know, the amount of time that I was spending down at the local nightclub. Well, it's probably right about that. Damn straight. Uh, next, Brad, tribe and tribe leader being replaced by product area leader uh, for tribe leader and for tribe product area. I don't know that I've ever used the word tribe in a business communication in my life. So this one is unlikely to affect me at all. Okay. Slave it works in a product area. 
it works in a product. Slave. Yes. Have you uh, seen the use of the word slave in a computer context? Uh, in a computer context, yeah, sometimes, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so slave is being replaced by node, worker, or secondary. Okay, well, node's a little too general because both masters and slaves are nodes, but uh, I guess secondary would be okay as long as it doesn't happen to be tertiary. And that would be an issue. Uh, master, and this is something I saw. Oh, so um, yeah, this goes with slave, yeah. Master goes with slave, so master is banned and barred. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, whichever the more severe is, where it's never going to come back. Right, yeah. You know, like Bill Cosby. And um, so master, it's, um, I saw this on the program where they, um, you know, walk through uh, houses a few months ago. And then my wife and I looked at a couple of homes down in Florida over the winter. And I noticed that you don't have a master suite anymore. You have a primary suite, but they don't use that word anymore in real estate. And so for master, you can use main, controller, or primary, but you can no longer use the word master. Hmm. Very sensitive these days, aren't we? It's, it never once occurred to me that that would be uh, an offensive use of that term. You know, actually, it's not actually in charge of, it's not like it's ruling over the other suites. You know what I'm saying? I know. I, I, listen, I don't get it, but I, <clears throat> you and I are just two uh, middle-aged men just trying to get along here. So I'm trying to help you trying understand. to avoid superannuation. That's what you and I are trying to do. Yeah. And we're also trying to abide by the HR department because they rule the world at this point. Yes. Blacklist. Okay. Have you ever used the term blacklist? Actually, my friend in our business, we use both the term blacklist and whitelist quite a bit. Okay. You, you have right now stepped ahead of us, mm -hmm. but that's okay. You've used two terms that you shouldn't be using anymore. So, uh, so do we, uh, is it like a stop list and a go list? What are we replacing these? Uh, we are going to replace blacklist with the word deny list ah. and whitelist with the word allow list. Isn't that going to offend someone if we uh, presume that the formerly blacklist was the deny list? That seems to me to be a little, you know, sketchy. If you're viewing the world through a certain lens, which so you're saying HR you're offended, is. you're offended by the term denialist. Well, I'm not really offended by the term denialist. Again, I'm not sure I understand it. I'll have to hear it, you know, used in a sentence or perhaps a, a clause. Uh, but I'm just saying that if you are offended by the idea that a black list had something to do with race, which of course it doesn't, it has nothing to do with race. It's as far from being associated with race as anything can be. But if you're offended by the idea that a black list might somehow be associated with race, then changing black to deny would seem to be not moving in the direction you would want to go if, again, you're viewing the world through a certain lens. But since I don't view the world through that lens, I, you know, maybe, again, I'm missing it. Yeah. And then finally, Brad, um, the word ceremony is out and replaced by event. Huh. Well, how is ceremony offensive? Listen, I didn't come up with any of this. I'm just reading off of the memo. Well, yes, but I'd like to understand how, why, why we're, I mean, oh, is it because Sarah is potentially a girl's it, name? It, 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 it's it, they, it. No, a girl is, that's not. No, you can't say no, girl. No, no. You can't yes, say you it's can. they. They, it's they's name. No, no, girl, boy, those are okay. Uh, I don't, I, I think, I mean, probably... what constitutes a girl and a boy is of course an open question, right? I mean, it used to be relatively easy. You would say, well, 
you know, we could look at their anatomy or perhaps draw blood and figure this out, but you can't do that anymore. So I agree with you that the definition of girl and boy is an open question at this point, but I believe the terms are still appropriate. Girls track, for instance. You don't necessarily yeah. have to have been born a girl to participate in girls track, but we still call it girls track, right? Maybe so you, it should be called something else. If you suck at boys track and you happen to have been born a male and you would like a medal, but you're not good enough, then you can just switch over to girls track and find yourself the state champion. Winner. So that works. That's how winners are made, my right. friend. That's how that works now, but you can still use those <laughs> terms. I just don't get why ceremony is offensive unless of course you're assuming that the Sarah in ceremony is a girl's name, in which case we could change it to something like Jared Money and you know, it would be less girly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we just insulted our producer for one. I think uh, they, these are, again, these are just reference points, but uh, according to our uh, HR department to the people in the know, these are all going to be banned. We'll have to move on and see where that takes us. And we're not going anywhere good with it, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, RIP Don Rumsfeld, Brad, your former boss at the DOD, great uh, patriot, um, served in the Ford administration as a young man, served in the W. Bush administration as an old man, uh, dedicated a lot of his life to public service, may have um, gotten us uh, into a little trouble in the Iraq uh, back in the early 2000s. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing, the two things I will remember about Rumsfeld, who, who was a good, good American, um, are one, the day that uh, on 9-11, the day that the plane smashed into the Pentagon, he was out there um, in a suit pulling people out of the rubble and helping people uh, get to safety. Uh, I always think that's great. And then for the last six or seven years, every year after he files his taxes, he sends a letter to the IRS, which he publishes in the New York Times or Washington Post, where like a four paragraph letter where he says, basically, he's filed his taxes. He thinks they're good, but he has no way of knowing if they're accurate because the tax code is so damn complicated that he can't figure it out. He's hired an accounting firm who he thinks is good and thinks does a good job, but they can't figure it out. And oh, by the way, Mrs. Rumsfeld signed those tax returns too, and she can't figure it out. So he sends this letter to them every year, and then he publishes it in some newspaper. It hasn't been audited yet that I know of. I'll probably go after him now after the Trump CFO's parking money is recouped. But uh, uh, what are your thoughts on the great Don Rummy Rumsfeld? Well, you know what, but uh, he, he was a man who was focused. He knew what he wanted to do. You could certainly disagree with whether or not what he wanted to do as a leader was the appropriate thing to do. He's certainly subject to criticism with respect to the Iraq war. I'm quite certain that uh, certain aspects of our media will tar him with that for the foreseeable future. Although, uh, you know, the conduct of that war has much more to do with its current and ongoing set of outcomes than Rumsfeld's decision with respect to it. Uh, but I do like the letters on the tax thing. I mean, if nothing else, he's got that going for him. Yeah, well, he had that going for him. Well, I'm sure that letter will go out this year. He's probably already written it. Well, Brad, uh, brings us to our big story of the week. The uh, song we let off with Freedom has uh, claimed another 
victim, uh, once was lost, now I'm free, once was incarcerated for rape, and now a free man. Uh, America's dad, Bill Cosby, has been freed. He is now out. Um, not sure what he's doing. I'm sure it's probably uh, questionable. Um, but uh, look, he's back on the uh, he's back on the streets. A big uh, victory, do you think, for the uh, legal system? Well, I'm not. I'm not sure. I know exactly what happened there, right? I mean, obviously. Well, the same convicted. could be said for the uh, for for the twenty or so women that he drugged and raped. Yeah. No. I, I again, he was convicted. And I didn't pay a ton of attention to what was going on there. I'm going to make the perhaps naive assumption that the trial was conducted appropriately and the jury was handled appropriately and that he was therefore convicted justly. And if he was, I guess I don't get why. Why is he out now? Uh, Well, there was some procedural thing uh, where he basically didn't get a fair trial. It was some plea deal from one of the witnesses that was negotiated and then not disclosed to a jury. So the Pennsylvania Supreme Court let him go. Huh. I guess, well, I mean, that is the way the legal system works in this country. So I guess uh, it worked as it was designed to work. Again, can argue whether or not it was well-designed, but if you are not disclosing certain arrangements with witnesses who are theoretically telling the truth and they have some outside motivation to through which to view that truth, then you know what? It's not a fair trial. So you are in agreement with uh, Bill Cosby being released? No, I don't have enough information to be in agreement or disagreement, but I'm saying if the rules weren't followed, I mean, I think that's what we all want, right? I think no one wants to go to jail. We've said it, we've even said on this podcast, you're better letting a, a guilty person go than convicting an innocent person, right? I mean, if you have to choose between those two evils, I think we would agree that we'd rather let a guilty person go than convict an innocent person. We don't want anyone who is not guilty of a crime serving the punishment of a crime that they have not committed, right? I mean, so if we have to default one way or the other, that's the way to go. We put rules in place to make sure that doesn't happen. And, you know, if all those rules were followed, that's the justice system we have. I mean, we shall, I guess we shall see, but let me ask you a couple of other questions. You, you would still agree he is America's dad as he was in the 80s. Probably not at this point, actually. Probably not. Have, have you ever worn a Cosby sweater? I have not. Not a big sweater guy, as you know. I don't think I've ever seen you in a sweater, except yeah. one that bore the uh, um, image of the Nature Boy Ric Flair on it. That was a sweatshirt, which is different. I do wear sweatshirts. I'm not a big sweater guy. Have you, you've, so you've never worn a sweater? Oh, I'm sure I did at one point or another in my life wear a sweater. Yeah, I mean, I was a child at one point. My mom probably popped me into a sweater in chill weather. But as I, an I adult, you select never a sweater on. Yeah, I don't. I, well, no, when I was serving in the Air Force, there was a uniform part where we had a sweater. I believe it was called a woolly pulley. Woolly pulley. And uh, again, when you had to be in a, a sort of dress form of the uniform and it was chill weather, the woolly pulley was nice. It had little patches on the elbows and the epaulets, so you could put your rank on there. So I did, as an adult, wear that. But other than that, I am typically more of a sweatshirt, pullover kind of guy than I am a knit sweater kind of guy. And to round out the original question, I never did wear a Cosby sweater, no. 
I mean, he was an author in the eighties. Remember he had fatherhood. He wrote a couple of books and he was a best-selling author. I would not be surprised if Bill Cosby has a second act here. I'm going to go out and say it. How old is Bill Cosby? He's got to be 90, right? I have no idea. I would put him for sure in his eighties. I mean, he's got to be at least he's, he's older than my dad. So he's got to be at least in his eighties, but I would guess that he, if he, well, I mean, and maybe he doesn't, but if he has a lick of sense, he will just lay low. And, uh, <laughs> you know, not, uh, not try to make any form of, you know, Cosby show comeback. Certainly fat Albert is not going to fly in this day and age. So were I counseling Mr. Cosby, I would suggest that you just stay home, enjoy the occasional nap and, uh, you know, not make a spectacle of himself. I think there was that great line from Eddie Murphy hosting Saturday Night Live um, uh, this past, past year when he came back for the first time in like 30 years. And he said, who would have guessed in 1984 that Eddie Murphy would be a stay-at-home dad with 13 kids, right? They, they, from his from his marriage, 13 yeah. kids, including adopted kids. Yeah. Um, and he'd be at home every night sleeping and, and you know, put the kids to bed, dealing with the kids. And Bill Cosby would be in prison on multiple rape charges. Yeah, that no one is the answer to uh, Mr. Murphy's question. No yeah, one. well, anyway, Godspeed, Bill Cosby. Um, I can't say that we're necessarily in agreement with the release, but as Brad said, the procedural posture is incredibly important here, and we're just not going to get into that at this point. Yeah, I don't know enough about it. Well, buddy, that was another good episode. I mean, I, you know, the world continues to provide us with, you know, all sorts of topics to talk about, and we appreciate that, of course. And there were so many this week that unfortunately we were unable to get to the Venera Chronicles. Now, I am not the expert you are. I'm going to assume there's a Venera 12. And if there is, we will get to that next week on that episode of your and my and many favorite podcast, IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.